Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper, you are Live from the Path. You're listening to Live for the Path. We're coming from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston Proper. It's good to be here. <laughs> Mike, where did you go? You can't. It just disappeared. I was looking for a screwdriver and I couldn't find one. I needed a flathead screwdriver. Hey, are those wrenches again? Uh, no. They were in. Uh, they were in that big green van. Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff in that green van. Uh, yeah, for, that we got from Buva. <laughs> and the like, wrenches were in there. Sounds like whose property either way. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Hey, you're listening to live from the path. Thanks for joining us on the show tonight. A uh, big show. <laughs> got a real, got a real big show. Uh, the weather was dicey. We had uh, we were going to talk to Vis- Vanessa McNeil tonight. Um, she's working on a documentary about sex trafficking in Iowa, and uh, I saw her because she had done. Um, had interacted with um, Joy with Wings of Refuge, and I thought, well, but that would be kind of cool. We were talking about that, right? Like our disconnect with understanding what that actually looks like um, kind of in our own backyard. And so we're hoping to talk to her. Uh, weather-wise, just didn't work out tonight, but um, that's something we're still going to do. So uh, in, I do have a related story, though. Did you guys see uh, – have you been following at all the trial of uh, Larry Nasser? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So – um, the, the Christianity Today did an interview with um, the, 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 one of the the ladies. Um, she got a lot of press, a Christian press, for like offering forgiveness to this man. Um, but but the Christianity Today did an interview with her, and I thought it was really compelling. One because she was she was a little bit miffed at um, Christian media because all they covered was the forgiveness part, and like. She spoke of God's justice. <laughs> she spoke of of calling to repentance. Like it was, uh, it was quality what she's done. Um, but then she also talked about she she ended up leaving her church, um, or for the most part said uh, the church told her that she really just didn't have a place there, um, based upon she she basically I'm trying to think of the right right way to put this. Um, uh, she was calling out what she believed to be hypocrisy in the church when it comes to sexual abuse. And the church's reaction from her perspective um, was that they were they were just digging in. And, and she basically said that the, the church is one of the last places that se- people who have been sexually abused can actually find help. Um, and, it, and it ought not be. Um, but I thought that there was some some very interesting things about her interview that I wanted to talk through Um and it seems, does this, does this sniff right? Does this feel like, um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to agree that it's her experience. Um, but do we, do we believe these are broad risks that the church, um, is running into? And basically, what can we do about it? Um, what can help change that? Uh, there was also an article. Do you guys remember, um, Matthew Loftus was, was in here talking about the healthcare? Yeah. Yep. So, um, he wrote an article today and I won't, go, I won't go through all of it. It's a two part article. In fact, I might wait to talk about it until he's done. Um, but it starts talking about the church and, um, our reaction to, uh, to, to sexual abuse or, or even the culture of sexualization of the culture. And, uh, the, the reason I generally like him is he's pretty good at tagging or at least faithfully representing, um, kind of the broad ranges of where people at. 
and and the risks of doing so, like the 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 left, uh, the, the the more liberal reaction to this, and how and basically what the how they react to it doesn't end up solving a problem. In fact, it runs smack dab into their kind of open sexualization um, advocation. But then the Christian response uh, on the other side of it. Um, it tends to be kind of a hardline behavior control, which doesn't get to the root of some of our issues either. And so um, I, maybe I'll wait. I, I thought that kind of made sense to the trajectory stuff we we're going to talk about, but I might wait on that until he gets the second part out because the first one really is uh, – it's posted on our website, but the first one really is just kind of the lay of the land, and I assume he's going to pick up uh, how are we to react to it. But I, I generally find him to pretty um, a, a compelling guy. If we don't agree on everything, I at least find him well-reasoned. Uh, in, in the things that he's talking about. So just know that that's out there. If you go to lifefromthepath.org, there's a, you scroll down to the, towards the bottom and there's, um, um, th- basically the writing that we like. And I posted that article out there for you in case you want to take a look. Yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah. So, um, let's see. What else? Do we have anything else on the docket? Mike, you had like, it's not Pope style. Do you get like things that clicked this week? What do you uh, think? Is it going to bubble up? Uh, well, kind of. It, it was basically going through, um, uh, we were teaching through the book of Job or whatever. In youth group and some things kind of, I, I don't know, uh, you know, there's, there's been some, some things happen, um, maybe in my, in my family in the last month or so that kind of left me just kind of staring at a wall going, I have no idea what I'm doing here. You know, like I, I kind of been doing, had been doing something and I thought, yes, this is all right. This is what we're to be doing. And then it kind of fell and didn't work at all and, and, and completely flopped. And I'm like, boy, I feel like I really missed, misunderstood what was going on here. Yeah. And so, um, I actually re- teaching through the book of Job. Um, was really, really helpful for me. And so it could have been that like, you know, 15 kids just stood there and went, eh, I don't have any idea. I'm not getting anything. And I'm like, this is revolutionary. <laughs> you know, this is making great sense to me. And so I was, I was really thankful for it. Um, uh, as, as I walked through it. And so, um, yeah, I, I might have something a little to share, you know, as that goes by. Okay. All right, um, I think we were talking about before the show started. Um, <laughs> we'd, we'd be getting some hits on our, on our YouTube videos oh, yeah. here lately in there. They've been pretty classic. Like you know, we post all the shows go to YouTube in some fashion or another, and some of them get cut up into clips and and whatnot. And and man, we had done a show. I don't know, it had it been four or five years ago? We were just having to be talking about some snake handlers, <laughs> and and a snake handler found it, watched the show, and then was extremely extremely irritated uh, that uh, by what we had said. Yeah. So here, here's his. Uh, this is from Dean Bowling. This is from a week ago, um, and this was. He was reacting to a story on uh, our take on snake handling churches because a guy had died, right? Like one of the snake handling preachers had uh, gotten bit by the snake and then refused medical treatment, and that's the whole deal, right? Like, is yeah, that's not what the, we're it, talking about. It's not uh, the snake handling uh, thing is not so much like the snake won't bite you, but that you won't need medical treatment if it does. Very similar to the story with Paul. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that was the clip. It was from February twenty first of two thousand fourteen. Holy cow! He's Dean's hanging in the archives, and so here's his. Um, here's what he said: uh, Mark sixteen is not about Paul. That's an axe. Uh, Dan had uh, misquoted uh, Mark instead of X. Uh, the point was well taken, but he was oh. critiquing. He, he said the word Mark, and he meant to say the word axe. Yes. Yeah, he told. I mean, the way Dan explained it, he was. He was totally in, in the right scripture and explained all the right stories. He just said Mark instead of yeah. Acts. Well, because so. Mark 16 does talk about it as well. You'll it, be bitten a nut. Right. It does. Uh, the so con- I probably just mixed it. Yeah, I mixed it yeah, up in my head. But yeah, yeah. Seemed completely reasonable, but yeah. he, he zeroed in on it, Dan. He had you. Uh, it says, Mark 16 is not about Paul. That's an X. And it is not a sign of faith. Refusal of medical treatment is a sign of faith. Serpent handling is not a test of faith. Never has been a test. It is a sign to unbelievers that God is real. Hey, I have that all the time. 
I see a man with a snake, and I say, the Lord lives. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I don't did Paul get, say that? You look out at creation, you say, you know what? There is a God. That is true. There's did, a snake. <laughs> did, either, did, did either one of those scriptures that, that you referenced, like, do they say that that's what it is? Like, this is to be a sign to unbelievers that God is real? Mark 16 doesn't. Mark 16 just says that it's going to happen. And um, and Acts is a demonstration. Well, so it it kind of was. So I think I get where they're coming from there. It kind of was to the people that were around Villagers Paul. were like, yes. whoa, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the, 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 to that extent, miracle, he's tagged it with snake handling. The truth is miracles are assigned to people just like Jesus does miracles and the early church does miracles. And I think God does miracles today. Okay. Yeah. So he's tagged it as only snake handling. Uh, miracles are assigned to people, a demonstration of God's power. Um, okay, and God did not, cre- oh, here we go. It is a sign to unbelievers that God is real, and God did not create medicine. Man did. His word says, thou hast no healing medicines. Uh, and so Buva had said that, um, his reaction was, like, didn't, didn't God help create, God had created these things that we're using to help people. Um, and so he says, uh, that man has no healing medicines. Now, your topic of discussion is of Jesus only. Uh, of a Jesus-only man who believed it was okay to get bit and die. True believers do not. And the general belief that handling snakes is tempting God is a lie. Read the book of James. It says God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So if God tells you to do something for him, he will not allow you to be hurt. I, for one among many, hate that y'all classify all serpent handlers together in one bunch. You are far from the truth. You will never hear most of our stories because we don't seek fame and glory or recognition from the world such as those seen on TV or the Internet. Hey, that's us, man. Yeah, I know. He's got his peg here. <laughs> we don't believe in TV or being made a sideshow, as you call it. We don't swap wives and live like the devil. Is that an accusation against me? <laughs> I don't I do not do that. <laughs> hey, the devil swaps wives? I don't have any scripture to back that up. I mean, sometimes I leave the light on all night. Does the devil do that? <laughs> we try to live holy, he says. There is another side of serpent handling most have never seen and will and will never unless they happen to visit a true holiness-believing church. We do not worship snakes. We didn't say that. Nor is it the foundation upon which our faith is rooted and grounded. It just happens to be a sign God allows us to do every once in a while. Please stop classifying all of serpent handling believers in one group. We despise that. Those of us who are true have never been on TV and never will. We have no desire to cast our pearl before swine. But we are tired of being grouped together with people who don't live right and die of serpent bite because of a faulty lifestyle. Deceived is what they are. We are not. Now, can I understand? Basically, his what he's saying is is that the guy who did die uh, acted in such a way that God allowed him to die from the snake yes. bite. Yes, that's the point. Boy, that's eerily similar to Job, is it not? You had to have done something <laughs> to deserve this. Yeah. Okay. He, he sounds like like any other denomination that says, "Hey, we're not like the other Baptists. Don't put us all in the same pile. Right. We're not like the other Methodists. We're not, I mean, like, like well, I don't know about Methodists, but like there's like 17 <laughs> kinds of Baptists, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. You know, they're like, Dude, we're not like the American Baptists. I don't, I don't know what they are. Are I was wondering yeah. if people outside of the church ever, ever like drove by, by the church and they're like Reformed Baptist Church. Ooh, what? <laughs> you know, you basically said we've made a lot of mistakes, Baptist Church. <laughs> that we've had to, we've had to change things up a bit. We've got it right now. It's like putting in the under new management sign on your place. You're like, boy, how bad was this joint? <laughs> We're not like the other Baptists. Yeah, <laughs> Second Baptist Church or wherever. What was wrong with the first one? <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, I did respond to him, and I don't respond to to a lot of the stuff that goes on to the YouTube, uh, but I did respond to him. 
this was my response. I said, hi, Dean. Thanks for listening to the clip and taking time to respond. You're right. That reference is an ax, not Mark. We can at least agree on that. Your reference to Jeremiah 30 about medicine seems out of context. Uh, to say that verse 13 is universal to imply there is no healing medicine for everyone anywhere would require you to also believe that verse 6 is also universal for everyone at all times, in which I would expect you to currently have your hand on your stomach like a woman in labor and have a pale face. <laughs> uh, this was a Jeremiah's lament, and uh, it was it was like a series of, uh, you know, no one no one can be healed, no one believes, everyone's got a stomach ache, every, no one does the right thing, right? Like it's there's a context to this of yeah. which he's pulled out. There is no medicine. <laughs> uh, so I said that, that's what I said. There's a context to that whole section which you seem to be ignoring. I would say the same thing with your reference to James. Obviously, it is within human behavior to try and test God, which is why there is a clear command to not do so. See Deuteronomy 6, which is quoted in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. The context of James 1 is the discussion about temptations to sin. God is not tempted with evil nor sends evil to tempt. However, that does not preclude humanity from sinfully trying to manipulate God into doing what they want. They won't succeed, certainly, but it doesn't mean they won't try. To the broad subject, I certainly see hope within Scripture for folks to be healed from a snake bite in faith, just like I would not restrict God from healing in any way he sees fit. However, those same Scriptures do not point to doing these things intentionally as a demonstration of faith. Thanks for listening. Excellent. I feel like that's a fair and even-handed response. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we also, what else? We got one today. Oh, there was a guy who listened to um, uh, Secular versus Solomon. No, no, I mean, here's the thing. You, you've... You've been a part of secular Solomon, fellas. Yeah, like this is not a uh, uh, this is not a high high church calling here. <laughs> no, man. I mean, the graphics themselves should, should at least play out that it's not a it's a, it's not an exegesis on how to on, on theology on either side. Yeah. So there was a secular versus Solomon from September fourth of two thousand seventeen, uh, which has one thumb up. I might add, out of twenty one views. Um, <laughs> but, the, but this guy. Uh, this guy takes a look, and he says uh, – here's his response uh, to this secular versus Solomon. You cherry-pick both secularism and the Bible to suit your foredrawn conclusion. I feel like he, there's no way he listened to the whole the whole thing. It's a game, Mike, where we say, hey, this is a quote from – is this a quote from the Bible or from Honduras? I mean, I would expect someone to say, you guys are a bunch of racists or something like that. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. but, but – but, Right. Yeah, not take a, a a serious biblical debate. Yeah, I suppose to I mean to put this in complete context, an example of secular Solomon is someone gives a word of wisdom, and you have to decide whether the Bible it's from the Bible or not. That's all. Yeah, that's the distinction. And like, if it's, I suppose we could have said Bible versus not from Bible. Yeah, but instead, because uh, it's catchier, you say secular or Solomon. Yeah, because yeah, to be secular is not necessarily bad. Yeah, no. it's just not Bible. That's right. right. We didn't say. Solomon versus everyone else who sucks. You know, we just said <laughs> secular or Solomon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Continue. Right, so he says, uh, you cherry pick, this is our accusation. You cherry pick both secular, secularism and the Bible to suit your foredrawn conclusion. Christopher Hitchens, uh, who is a known atheist, addresses the same topic and does so more clearly and succinctly and in a tenth the time without all the boring silence and bumbling. <laughs> Hey, that last part's accurate. I yeah. mean, at least he's taking it in, right? Hey, so maybe he did watch the clip. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> Can we thumb up his response? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I will. There yeah, we go. you should like that. Okay, I liked it. All right, so I said, so I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't quite catch what he was doing. I thought we had a conversation in Secular Solomon of which he was reacting to. It didn't, I didn't have the idea that he actually was offended by the game as a whole. And so I said, thanks for listening. Can you be a bit more specific on the critique so I know what I'm listening for in the Hitchens response? Because he had given a, a clip. And he says, yes, let me be clearer. 
Hitchens defines the secularism which is subscribed to by most secularists, which is never the secularism, often in no way secular, that is characterized by its critics. And I thought, yeah, there's he, he had, that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. Nothing at all. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so final response, it said, ah, understood. The title of the game was more chosen for alliterative purposes than anything else. Certainly we're using wisdom from either the biblical books of Proverbs or occasionally Ecclesiastes versus Proverbs from different countries that aren't sourced from Scripture. But for folks wanting a deeper look into either Christian theology or secularist definition, you're right, our game will fall short of both. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, hey, man, did someone reply like after your thing? Uh, no, no, that was four months ago. Someone oh. someone caught, the, caught it uh, right when it came out and said, I dig on it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so hold on. There was one more. There's one more that's always pretty good. It's so it's this is the highest. Um, it's the highest viewed thing we've ever done. Um, we we did a uh, we read a children's book called Caps for Sale, and so we are nearing uh, this year. We we should make our one millionth YouTube hit uh, on Life in the Past. So that's pretty exciting. We should have a party. We yeah. should we should do a party. Um, so. But 770,000 of those <laughs> uh, have nothing to do with our Jesus or uh, lowbrow church-related content. Uh, 770,000 of those are the caps for sale. And so uh, we this gets a lot of action. Um, in fact, the, we, we have 770,000 views. The next closest reading of caps for sale is at 80,000. Oh, I mean, wow. so we dominate YouTube on caps for yeah, sale. Yeah, we're taking names on this one, okay? Okay, cool. Uh, however, it does draw its fair share of critiques. This is now... <laughs> Uh, almost eight years old. We did it November of 2010. Um, so like, here's, here's a guy says, uh, this is incredible. I haven't heard this story in tw- probably 25 to 30 years, but I remember the images from the book. Uh, there's a guy from two years ago who said, my mom did a better job of reading this frown face. <laughs> and so I responded and said, so did mine. Unfortunately, she wouldn't do it for our video. So we had to handle it ourselves, of which they responded, OMG. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good or bad? Uh, here we go. Bebe Speaks from two years ago says, The monkeys in the book said, Tis, tis, tisk and imitated his movements. They never talked. That's a bunch of ad-libbing. <laughs> it's distracting. <laughs> oh, oh, man. And then, with this, with this guy says, I like the monkeys talking in the background. Right on. The monkey dialogue is hilarious. Excellent rendition. A minute 37, somebody said, That's a nice place for a breast. What? What? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. breast? Yeah. <laughs> what? What kind of accusation is no, that? No, okay, the, the 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 words in the book are that's a nice place for a rest. Okay, Heidi Sow. <laughs> you naughty. YouTube is brutal. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. Oh, this was one of my favorite books growing up, exclamation point. I'm not a fan of the monkeys talking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh. Hey, Sherwood Avery says, I hate it so much. And didn't spell hate right. Sorry. I had it so much. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, there's a there's a, there's a dip down the old YouTube channel. It's just, it's just nice that we can uh, get that much passion out of people. I know they're they're digging on it. Well, that, I mean that's the thing is like we never get Christians watching our stuff and then arguing over different points of, you know, maybe uh, some something we've said that's denominationally offensive or whatever. Like it's always a crazy secularist or an atheist that catches it or our caps for sale. <laughs> it's just nothing but <laughs> anger and, and shrewd stares. <laughs> that that goes back to the uh, Des Moines Amplified days. Oh yeah, boy! Remember that time that we did? Uh, we were we were doing the prayer room at um, at the atheist convention Ooh, yeah. when it was in Des Moines, oh, yeah. and man, we, I mean the site was just getting lambasted <laughs> with people. Oh man, yeah. 
Yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, I, I then, forgot about that. And then we did uh, Into the World, man. Uh, when camping was called the end of the world, we got some we got, got some beat, pretty poor reviews from that one. Yeah, too. we got beat up on that one too uh, because we took it too easy on him. Remember, because we wanted to talk to that. What was the guy? David Brooks, and he was with. Uh, he was in support of the family radio. He wasn't part of them, but like he basically uh, believed that the end of the world was going to occur, yeah. and he was the guy that paid for the billboard up in Ames. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. and pretty reclusive guy, but he he came on the show. And, um, we basically wanted him on. We were, we, we were still doing a two hour show back then. So the first hour we were going to talk to him and we basically wanted to talk to him and figure out what, why, what, where's he coming from? Why does yeah. he believe this? And actually give him the opportunity to talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. We give wanted, his argument. Yeah. And so we did. And then he left. And then we spent the back half talking about like, you know, why doesn't that make sense? And, you know, what's, what's the matter with the theology behind that and all that stuff? Um, and uh and yeah there was a, there was a, quite a few folks who were pretty upset and said we took it too easy on him um and that we shouldn't give him airtime we shouldn't have given exposure and I'm like you know of the eight people that were listening at the time you you don't seem to have caught in the bug <laughs> yeah so maybe we're all right <laughs> well i mean here's the, the are we really supposed to be afraid of that right like if god's truth is god's truth what 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 am i actually afraid of you know what i'm saying like let him speak for a little while it's not like someone's going to get 5 minutes into things like that's all i need to hear <laughs> into the world's tomorrow you know i yeah. think generally people are afraid other people are going to be turned cuz they're smart they they won't but, yeah. right but you let him talk and now some some poor guy is going to suddenly sell his house and buy a camper i like people who don't believe in jesus and all but are willing to but are willing to dive in and say, you know what? All this stuff I didn't believe in does make complete sense, and the word will end tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> especially with a needle through a thread through Scripture to try to make this thing the end of the world. You know what I'm saying? You're yeah. like, you know, all these things are just too much of a coincidence for me. This has got to be the end times. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was probably one of the major. We also did we did a broadcast live from um a, a life event, and uh, we there were there were a couple there were a couple bad reactions to that, but for the most part, actually, we don't. People generally leave us alone. You know, here's the thing. It's like most people would think, you know, we generally get positive reactions. But the truth is we generally get no reactions. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> generally we're just not noticed or taken seriously at all. And every once in a while some fly-by-night wing that will show up and, and try to stake a claim like we're making a bigger imprint than we are. So if you wanted to make an argument for a bit, like even that uh, that secularism guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you attacking people that have, uh, you know, I don't know, 500 YouTube subscribers. You know, there's way bigger fish to fry if you want to. Try to try to get to the heart of the matter and have an honest debate through a countrywide platform. I mean, you got to know that you're swinging at low hanging fruit here, bro. <laughs> you know, that's just, I, feel, I feel like you just found something you thought you could beat up on, and then took a couple shots and left. You know, yeah, that's true. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, trip down YouTube lane. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so here was. Oh, did I find this? Yeah, here I found the link. All right. So, um, yeah. Hold on, it's coming. This was, so the interview was called My Larry Nasser Testimony Went Viral, but there's more to the gospel than forgiveness. Former gymnast Rachel Den Hollander spent years discovering God's perspective on sexual abuse, then her advocacy for survivors cost her her church. Um, so here's the, um, we talked about the basic setup, right? So she was, she was one, she had testified in the Larry Nasser trial who he has been convicted of, um, sexual abuse through, I mean, dozens of girls. I think it's like 200. Maybe hundreds Just, of girls. Yeah, insane. Yeah. Uh, gymnasts, um, cause he worked for the USA Gymnastics. And so, um, I, I'll read through some of these questions. Cause I just thought she did a, a fantastic 
job um, responding to something very difficult to deal with. Um, and so it says, you were first abused by Larry Nasser in 2000. It took 18 years for him to be convicted of sexually abusing girls. What have the past two decades been like for your faith? She says, in the beginning, I wrestled with God's perspective on abuse, where he was, why he didn't do anything, and whether or not I was guilty or stained by it. I worked to get to a place where I could trust in his justice and call evil what it was because God is good and holy. One of the areas where Christians don't do well is at acknowledging the devastation of the wound. We tend to gloss over the devastation of any kind of suffering, but especially sexual assault, with Christian platitudes like God works all things together for good or God is sovereign. I can't imagine that is going on, but I, I, would, I suppose it is. I suppose we are saying that. Uh, those are very good and glorious biblical truths, but when they are misapplied in a way to dampen the horror of evil, they ultimately dampen the goodness of God. Goodness and darkness exist as opposites. If we pretend that the darkness isn't dark, it dampens the beauty of the light. It said, do you remember reaching a point where you doubted God's goodness? My biggest struggle was understanding God's perspective on sexual abuse. Ultimately, a conclusion I really had to come to myself through a lot of wrestling, a lot of tears, and a lot of studying. Um... It says, in your impact statement, you say, my advocacy for sexual assault vi victims cost me my church. Can you share about when you decided to share with your church that you were going to speak up about this and what happened? She says, the reason I lost my church was not specifically because I spoke up. It was because we were advocating for other victims of sexual assault within the evangelical community, crimes which had been perpetuated by people in the church and whose abuse had been enabled very clearly by prominent leaders in the evangelical community. That is not a message that evangelical leaders want to hear because it would cost to speak out about the community. It would cost to take a stand against these very prominent leaders, despite the fact that the situation we were dealing with is widely recognized as one of the worst, if not the worst, instances of evangelical cover-up of sexual abuse. Because I had taken that position and because we were not in agreement with our church's support of this organization and these leaders, it cost us dearly. When I did come forward as an abuse victim, this part of my past was wielded like a weapon by some of the elders to further discredit my concern, essentially saying that I was imposing my own perspective or that my judgment was too clouded. One of them accused me of sitting around reading angry blog posts all day, which is not the way I do my research. That's never been the way I do research. But my status as a victim was used against my advocacy. So, um... Well, here, so specifically, it was the Sovereign Grace Ministry scandal. Dan, do you know anything about that? I, I don't. That's what I was trying to figure out when you were reading that. It's like, well, what? Who? What? Yeah, I don't know the details. Um, it was... And they're, they covered up, within the Christian community, sexual assault that was going on. Yeah, so I, th I feel like we talked about this. Um, it was about... Doggone it. Oh, I've read, shoot, I can't, uh, I can't keep reading articles. Um, C.J. Mahaney um, was the president of SGM, Sovereign Grace Ministries, and I think that's where, uh, that's where the accusations were. I mean, it, it seems they were largely true. Um, and so, and this church was a supporter of the Sovereign Grace Ministries. So why would you defend that? I, I don't know. I, so do you, do you think the general thought, though, um, so... Hey, here's the thing: is that I I know why you defend it, right? It ties into what we were talking about a little bit before the show started, right? Is like sometimes people tend to to elevate the church as an organization above that of of following Jesus Christ. Like we got to protect this community and its reputation before we're worried about. We talked about this when that when a couple weeks ago with that guy and the um who had um 
had sexual sexual misconduct with somebody in his youth group, and he and and then he finally revealed right. it at, on a sermon or whatever, and yeah, and that was the stand up applause thing. Yeah, and so, but that's what we talked about. It's like, why would anybody cover that up? It's not best for the victim. It's not best for him. It's not best for his family. It's not best for his church. It's best to just address it and let it be terrible and horrible, and let it sit in darkness where it belonged, and then let light redeem it. And instead, they just uh, they they stored it in darkness and left it there <sighs> because they're trying to protect. The church's image and the and the guy's future because he was a charismatic dude. He's a great speaker, you know. He's a and and as far as you can tell, he delivers the word well. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like the the dude we were talking. We had a lot of conversation before the show. I'm sorry to get you caught up, but like <laughs> like you know, people people that are that are showing up and um, confessing huge sins and be like, hey man, look, you're not trying to follow Jesus at all here, right? Like you just show up here for the community and whatever and get some friends and. And some support, and like that's what the church does. We offer support and love as a community of people that all believe the same thing. But you're ignoring the part where we say we all believe the same thing. We all agreed to be followers of Jesus Christ, and like it has to be, it has to be, uh, the footing has to be in that. And so, like, it can't be all community and all love, and then nobody going, "Hey, look, we're supposed to be following Jesus. What's going on in your place? What are you doing?" <laughs> you know. And so, like. I could see how they defend that. They're, they're they're more concerned with their community than they are on the following Jesus part of it. Dan Dan shrugs his shoulders. He I, says, I "No, I'm agreeing. With you. I'm just it's <laughs> okay. just it's just uh, it makes me a little bit want to vomit. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. So, so here's here's what she um, and this was where it keeps getting interesting. She said after you had confronted church leaders and you decided that you were going public with your own abuse." You realize that your church would never take this seriously? And she said, that's exactly right. When you support an organization that has been embroiled in a horrific 30-year cover-up of sexual assault, you know what that communicates to the world and what it communicates to other enablers and abusers within your own church. It's very obvious that they are not going to speak out against sexual assault when it's in their own community. So that leaves me with the question, what happened when? what happens when it's a trusted person at this church? What happens when it's a trusted person in these other evangelical organizations? The extent that one is willing to speak out against their own community is the bright line test for how much they care and how much they understand. We have failed abhorrently as Christians when it comes to that test. We are very happy to use sexual assault as a convenient whipping block when it's outside our community. When the Penn State scandal broke, prominent evangelical leaders were very, very quick to call for accountability, call for change. But when it was within their own community, the immediate response was to vilify the victims or to say things that were at times blatantly and demonstrably untrue about the organization and the leader of the organization. There was a complete refusal to engage with the evidence. It did not even matter. The ultimate reality that I live with is that if my abuser had been Nathaniel Morales instead of Larry Nassar, if my enabler had been a CGM pastor instead of a gymnastics coach, the organization I was speaking out against was Sovereign Grace under the leadership of Mahaney instead of MSU under the leadership of Luanna Simon. I would not only I would not only not have evangelical support, I would be actively vilified and lied about by every single evangelical leader out there. That seems too far, uh, but, but I think the broad point is is that you're not finding um, is the church rallies the wagons quickly, um, or at least her experience is that to protect. Um, to I suppose to attempt to protect the good name of the church. Well, you know, and here's the thing: is I could see, I could see people thinking that they are worried about the reflection on because the people of the church are messy that it would reflect poorly on God, right? And and I, I could see people trying to justify that in their mind, being like, "Hey, this is an or, this is our community that follows Jesus." And some guy went off the rails and did something terrible, or some lady went off the rails and did something terrible. 
we can't have everybody who is not a believer thinking this is what God people do. Right. And so they try to hide it. And we act handle like, this in-house. We don't... Uh, that's right. Yeah. Because because God because God's name is to be protected. You know, and like, that's foolish, right? God can protect his own name. Uh, we will deal with the, with sin the way that God says to deal with sin because that's what God said specifically to do. And so I, I could see how people get fooled into thinking that is the right course of action. Um, but even giving that, even giving him those points of contention and saying, I could see how you got there, I still can't, I mean, I can't support any of it, all of it. She's right. It's a, it's abhorrent. It's terrible. And that is not the way that God's people live. We should be the first ones throwing flags up going, that guy did this. Did you see what happened to people? I mean, look at, look, God's original, um, uh, the, the Israelites, right? Like, if you, you did certain things, they just got, you were gone. You're just right. out. Right. We, you're not, Paul, even, even Paul says that. Like, listen, if you're going to act this way, you're going to leave. We're, you're not going to taint this whole group of people with the way that you're acting. And, 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 you know, I, I struggle a bit, I don't know, with this is that, uh, sometimes our line on, on sin is soft. Like, uh, and, and it doesn't cheapen the grace that we've been given, but I don't think people realize the full impact. I think that's true of myself as well, you know, because I've always known, um, that my sin is forgiven, which never actually made me contemplate the weight of it. You know, I've always right. known that it's, go- it's going to be forgiven because Christ died for my sins, right? And, like, we always open with that when we talk to people about, about following Christ. But, like, we never quite get the point without going too crazy Calvinist heavy with it, right? Like, that you are just, you, you really deserve death. I know you, we gloss over this, right? But, like, the punishment for that sin is death, and you've been saved out of death, not just saved because God is smiling and happy. Like, he paid an honest, heavy penalty that no one else could have paid. And, like, we, we just kind of gloss over that with this happy thing, you know, and I don't know. You don't want to beat them. I don't. You know. You know what I'm saying? Like it's you, you don't. You don't want people to miss the weight of the of the gift that they've been given. But you know, no one likes getting beat over the head either. And so we usually go with the soft shoe. You know. And I think her description of it was um, was good, right? Like if you don't understand, um, like we cannot gloss over the the the, the deepness of the dark. Um, because then we miss to the extent that we that grace has been given, right? Like, um, if we don't understand or believe how much that we have been saved from, and mm-hmm. I suppose, I guess, also to your point, um, recognize that there are there are consequences to that evil um, that is that you've brought and perpetuated out into the world, and those still must be dealt with. And so, um, you, you're right. I just I, I think that is the deceit is that um, we are somehow protecting God's name. Or what other people may think of with the image of God as portrayed by the church. But like, if the image of God portrayed by the church is one of dishonesty, is one of we cover, we sweep things under the rug and don't deal with them boldly and honestly, um, then we are projecting the wrong image of God anyway. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what everybody does in other areas of life. If, uh, your star football player, uh, rapes someone, you kind of excuse it. Well, he couldn't help it. You know, give him another chance. If if the opponent's team star football player rapes someone, you want him in jail. You know, you want him taken down. He's terrible. But if he's on your team, ah, you know, you give him a little more grace. Right. If it's your political party that has someone, you know, doing something crummy, you you know, ah, they're just being really good at what they do. You know, and if it's the opponent, the other team, other political party, you want to take him down and put him in jail. Yep. And 
in the church, we should be above that. Yeah, oh, man. We should be way beyond that. Right? God's ways above our ways. Like, if you get, yeah. I mean, you get busted doing this stuff, like, there is still grace for you through, through the death of Jesus Christ, but there's yeah. also consequences and penalties guess here. What? Yeah, guess what? My team's really screwed up, and we're going to purify this thing, and we got to, we got to purge it of the evil, and uh, as far as leadership goes. That's right. And, and, and restore them, and, in, in, you know, but like you said, but, uh, not let them be in leadership, and not try to, you know, protect the name. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but it's ridiculous. Right. That's right. That's right. You happen. could you could see how someone got there. But yeah. You just you hate every bit of it. Like you it, can't every, you can't yeah. get there that way. It is detestable. It reminds me of the time when when Jesus was walking by the temple and the money changers were there and and he and and he kind of just kept walking. No, he turned the no, freaking no, tables no. over. No. <laughs> okay, see, there was a silence there. I'm like, I don't know where I he's know, going with this. I know Dan knows his Bible. That's not what happened. <laughs> what happened? I, forgot, I totally forgot what happened. Dan's going to drop something way cool on me, and I'm going to learn something today. I, so what I had in my mind was, is like, maybe I'd forgotten a verse where he walks by and then comes back around. <laughs> I thought, well, I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth. I'm going to wait it out. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, you know, here, here's where I thought, because I haven't read this article, and here's where I thought that she was going to go. And actually, I, f- I feel like I would be just as guilty of this is like um, with that darkness thing, where we don't let the, you know, um, let that those acts prove themselves out to be darkness, right? When when people come with very heavy things, or especially if they've been sinned against, um, boy, the I mean, the, I mean, it's quick out of my mouth where I'm like, look, you know, we got we've got to get to a place where you can start to heal. And and you can't do that carrying around the burden of hatred for them. So we've got to get to a forgiveness place, right? But like, I still think that's true. But boy, I think I might grab that gun too fast. You know what I'm saying? I might be shooting that advice out way too fast. Like that's a real hurt. And when you start glossing over it, be like, you gotta forget that guy. <laughs> you know, ah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think I've been yeah. guilty of that. And and uh, boy, that that might really help me to see something a little bit differently. Well, empathy maybe goes long ways. Yeah. So she continues. Um, I thought there was another thing that she spoke of here. Hold on a second. Um, it says, "Why are we capable of seeing evil in other communities, but not our own?" Uh, which speaks to what uh, we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah. It says one of the dynamics that you see in a Christian church that is particularly devastating is poor theology. Okay, I agree. The reason that most institutional cover-ups happen in the church is not simple institutional protectionism. When you're dealing with someone like um, MSU or USA Gymnastics, they've got medals and money and their institutional reputation on the line. You have that dynamic with evangelical churches where you have the reputation on the line and the perceived reputation of the gospel of Christ. Okay, But often, if not always, people are motivated by poor theology and a poor understanding of grace and repentance, and that causes them to handle sexual assault in a way where there are a lot of predators go unchecked, often for decades. When you see a theological commitment to handling sexual assault inappropriately, you have the least hope of ever changing it. It's devastating enough when money and medals are put up against sexual assault victims. But when the gospel of Christ is wielded like a weapon against sexual assault victims, that's, that's wicked. There's no other way to say it. So, so what, what did I miss here? What, where, how is the gospel? I mean, what, 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 what's the complaint against the church? I mean, other than the the cover up stuff. I mean, like, yeah. So, I think I think the point is is that um, the church is not a um, people cannot get over sexual assault for I think a combination. Uh, they can't go to the church for that, for the combination of some of the things that we've been talking about. I think the allegation is um, 
and I don't, I don't, I don't think this is malfeasance. I think this part is just blindness. Is that um, it's the call to um, not not work through the actual hurt that was there. Um, you just need to forgive, or kind of the thing she said earlier that this is all um, uh, God is sovereign and this all works out for good. Um, but it, well, actually, so, and and being called using God's call to forgive as a weapon against survivors, which is how the next question is worded. So I think I think that's the I think that's the core of it. You just need to move on. You just need to move on. Yeah, which may and I think her 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 thing is, is that the, that makes the church ineffective at dealing with specifically sexual abuse victims. But I think the implication is much broader than that. Is because we are we're just we're just gliding over things. Yeah, let's just move on. We've we've done the forgiveness. That guy's done the repentance. Let's just kind of cast over this thing and keep on a rocking. Um, without actually taking the time to to deal with the circumstances as they sit. Well, I mean, and, and that's, I mean, that's going to be true with just about everything that we try to handle with a program or, a, you know, like there's just certain things people need to walk through with a friend or someone that lo- one person that loves them and they can walk through it together, right? Like it just, you know, like we try to manage it from an administration point of view. Right, without you know, calling big wins, big losses, and say, okay, where can we mitigate and move, and, and then keep keep things running. You know, when when that person, you know, individually, I don't know that you're going to be able to. I don't know. I just think you got to do that on on a one to one ratio. You so, know, so maybe that's unfair, actually, to to a certain extent. And this is this is this actually does bother me um, when this happens. Is people people lob things against the church as a whole, um, but the church is made up of of folk like there's it's made up of people and like uh, often when people are, are critiquing or they're upset about uh, i was listening to a podcast and people are like upset they're like hey you know the the church does this and blah 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 and like you know people aren't friendly and something or other i'm like you are part of the church so like if it's not if you're do that go ahead like fix it <laughs> if yeah. that's the thing um and so to, to that as if it's true then that this is more something that you're going through on a, on a much smaller level, I don't know what the corporate church is going to do here unless it's specifically aimed at probably a pastor somewhere um, then it's probably not fair to hold the whole like the church body as a whole kind of accountable for this I, I'm trying to you know put this through the filter of okay let's say uh, a woman comes to me and says I was sexually molested by you know ex big name coach. Uh, over a number of years, um, what's my response? Yeah, like, like that—that's a pile uh, to put it. You know, like I'm not equipped to help her emotionally heal. I will—I would address, you know, forgiveness and let's move on. I would—I would address. Let's get you a professional counselor. We'll help you if you need that. Yeah, I would address. Um, uh, you know, let's get this reported. You know, we got to yeah. put an end to this. We got to stop this from happening. I don't know. Is that kind of what she's looking for? I mean, she feels let down. So what? What's she want? Um, because I think that that's just there's a lot of people out there who've been molested. I, I, I really, honestly, I want to know like how do we help then? Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Um, let's see if the next question helps. It says, given your concerns that Christians can use God's call to forgive as a weapon against survivors, did you feel all apprehensive telling Nasser that you forgive him? Uh, I did to an extent because forgiveness can really be misapplied, taken within the context of my statement with the call for justice and with what I have done to couple forgiveness and justice, it should not be misunderstood. But I found it very interesting, to be honest, that every single Christian publication or speaker that has mentioned my statement has only ever focused on the aspect of forgiveness. 
Very few, if any of them, have recognized what else came with that statement, which was a swift and intentional pursuit of God's justice. Both of those are biblical concepts. Both of those represent Christ. We do not do well when we focus on only one of them. Uh, have you been read about that? Trying to think if there's anything else here. Um, let's see what her final statement is. Anything else you want to read us to know? First, the gospel of Jesus Christ does not need your protection. It defies the gospel of Christ when we do not call out abuse and enable abuse in our own church. So there, there's, there's what she wants, number one. Yep. Jesus Christ, Christ does not need your protection. He needs your obedience. Obedience means that you pursue justice and you stand up for the oppressed and you stand up for the victimized and you tell the truth about the evil of sexual assault and the evil of covering it up. Second, that obedience costs. It means that you will have to speak out against your own community. It will cost to stand up for the oppressed, and it should. If we're not speaking out when it costs, then it doesn't matter to us enough. So I think that's the core critique against the church. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and to be fair, like, I mean, she might be taking in her portion of the church and being very upset about their handling things. I don't know that that's... that's I what, mean, obviously there's been some scandals within uh, the Catholic denomination of church. I think all denominations have had a, a, a bout of this in one way or another, but like most people I know will not stand for this for two seconds. Most most Christians that I know just will not put up with this. And so I don't know yeah. whether it's they're just looking at the top layer and, and then saying this is a sample but it's a uh, reflective of the whole. But like I've I've met the whole. I don't know the whole would put up with that. Uh I, I don't know. And maybe that's what's tough is um is everybody digest shoot now i'm gonna find myself like partially agreeing with the elder she was upset with but like everyone obviously does digest the world through their own lens right Mm -hmm. and so i look out and say i just i've not seen this i've i'm not seeing this where the church is sweeping things under the rug i'm not seeing this where there's like people abusive people in power positions um but it doesn't mean that it's that it's not happening and so i think (coughs) excuse me i think the couple couple concept is is that like I think we have to recognize that um, I am I have a limited perspective of the world. I'm, I only can see things through my lens. I need to recognize that that there is there are situations happening outside of what is normal to me um, that are normal in other places or like at least more pervasive. And I think you would ask the same, right? Like you can't look back at the entire church body and say this is a this is a pervasive thing. Um, through Christianity, although I think the temptation to cover things up and deal with them in house in the protection of um, of the image of God or, or the gospel, um, I think is a risk the entire church does run. How often people are crossing lines to to do that, um, I, I would be more hesitant to speak on. But I mean, it's certainly I think we have to be be careful of as we we do a lot to kind of share and, and try to, to protect or, or discuss. Uh, who Jesus is, and and the church is the representative of that, and so like there's an inclination to keep those types of things uh, to, to burnish that image, and so I, I think we can recognize it, but um, I think maybe that's the risk, right? Is is recognizing that certain things are true, um, even if they feel abnormal, and and um, not dismissing them simply because I don't recognize or I don't see it very often. Well, and I think our reaction is very much the reaction of of say like a husband that's cheated on his wife in the past, right? That's repented and is and is is trying to make this marriage come back and work. That man has to work three times as hard, a million times as hard as a husband who has not cheated on his wife and gaining trust back, right? And so that means like he don't erase his text messages, he don't erase his internet history, he calls way more than he should, announcing where he's at, enables GPS on his phone, whatever. He goes through the whole shebang to show his wife, you know that that he is to be trusted, and like 
if that's what's being asked of us as a church body, great. Fine, we're in. We yeah. can do that. Yeah. What What do you want to know? I mean, there shouldn't be one part of the church body that goes, what What can I show you on a consistent and and continual basis that will let you know that we're that we're we're trying to be as faithful as humanly possible to God's calling on our church body? And like, we can't be upset about that. We can't be mad that people we think people are digging into places they don't belong. I mean, your 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 walk with Christ should be a fairly open book, you know. On uh, especially the way that the church is running, maybe your personal sin stuff you want to deal with on an individual basis to some fellas. Yeah. Uh, but like on the whole, I mean, what's the church got to hide? We shouldn't have much at all, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, that was the end for our article. Um, we'll cover that Loftus article next week, I think, or whenever he posts the second one. Maybe we'll kind of go through it. Um, I hate to – here's the deal. I thought, hey, man, I kind of like talking about it. But, like, he's – where was he at? Zimbabwe or something? Yeah. And you got to wake him up at 4 a.m. or something. I feel real bad about that. He's a cool dude to talk yeah. to, though. All right. Very All knowledgeable. Right. What do you got over there, Mike? All right. Ready? Dear life from the path. I am a 64-year-old woman divorced for 27 years. A nice guy I'll call Ronnie has taken me out to lunch and dinner several times. He really likes me, and I really like him. But I'm skeptical, skeptical about getting to a serious relationship because I don't feel like doing a lot of the wife duties anymore, such as cooking. I know this may sound terrible, but I don't cook. My kitchen stays clean, and all I have to do is sweep the floor. <laughs> Ronnie hasn't said anything about my not wanting to cook, but I don't want it to come up later as a problem. What should I do? I say, Ronnie, I don't cook, brother. Yeah. yeah. Is that a deal? This comes with the package. Yeah. He <laughs> or says, <it> doesn't. <laughs> you know what? It's not a deal. Or, you know what? It's a deal breaker. I mean, you might as well just jump in on this thing. I mean, yeah. Ronnie has taken you out to lunch and dinner several times. I think he's getting the gist of it. He seems to be willing to pay. <laughs> yeah, he says, let's go out to lunch or dinner. <laughs> I don't see you cooking. I'm hungry. Let's go. I, although, I mean, I would shade you away maybe from making a commitment to Ronnie when you feel like the fact that you don't like to cook is a deal breaker. And you're just gonna, you, you're, you're basically considering not being in a relationship with Ronnie because you don't like to cook. And you looked at this one obstacle and thought, Ronnie ain't worth going through this. I ain't going to bring it up, and we ain't going to talk about it. Me and Ronnie are going to part ways. You know, maybe you don't like Ronnie as much as you think, you know? <laughs> well, I'm going to say, you know, both of you are in your 60s. You're both pretty well set in your ways. Um, so you're both going to have those kind of weird things. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he carries a pair of pliers in his back pocket, and he just isn't going to stop. Yeah, I, you know, yeah exactly. I don't know, whatever. I mean, whatever it is. Uh, you're just both going to have stuff, and, and, and hopefully you're both mature enough at that age to kind of figure that out and go with it. Yeah, but, but yeah, be upfront about it. Yeah, those pliers in your pocket, Ronnie. Not in the bed. Shut up, <laughs> Betty. Go sweep the floor. <laughs> yeah, I love my pliers. I, I mean, it does. It does really ruin the romance of you know. Hey, baby, I'd do anything for you except for sweep the floor. <laughs> I, I don't like your toast. I don't like crumbs. <laughs> I don't cook. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's, it's, do you do everything else with vigor and passion? Or I mean, do you just despise cooking, or you're not good at it? Or I mean, because it's just it's it's like a task, like anything else. You know what I'm saying? It's like taking out of the garbage or cleaning the windows. It's just a thing that you do. I'm not saying you don't have to be a passionate risotto cook or something. You know, but like putting toast in a toaster or scrambling some eggs, it takes the same amount of time and effort as it does to sweep the floor. I mean, I do find it a little bit unreasonable, to be honest with you. I find it unreasonable to, like, not cook at all. Like, is that – am I getting the wrong implication? I mean, she does not cook or just hates it? I, it doesn't really say. It just says she does not cook. But does that mean that you just eat raw food all the time? Yeah, I think she's exaggerating. Like, I just, she just doesn't want to get into cooking big meals all the time. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah, as yeah. a whole, I usually just go out, you know, and I think that's her thing. 
Yeah, I mean, either you eating raw food or you going out to eat all the time. Either one, I'd like to know what your job you have, because I feel like that's big money. Yeah. I got to rein that in. I can't even pull it off once a month. Hey, man, they're, hey, uh, sp- speaking of big money, the uh, Pyramidals is running $10 at a Cajun Cajun buffet every Tuesday this month, just Ooh. in case you guys want to go. I'm in. 10 bucks a, a ten bucks a head? 10 bucks a head. I like the Cajun, and I like the food. That's what I'm saying. Dan, yeah. And I got 10 bucks. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. That's a discount. Here's Secular Says. <laughs> Healthy relationships okay. are based on honest communication. Talk to Ronnie about your concerns. You may be pleasantly surprised to find out that he likes to cook and would be willing to do to uh, would be willing to do it. Well, you really... I mean, that's a real stab in the dark. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you offered the only possible solution that would be perfect for this thing. Uh, hey, I, I, I just... I just, uh, a couple days ago, bought me a quarter cow. Never did that before. Mm-hmm. Speaking of cooking... And it's fantastic. Oh, I bet. Just ground beef. It, I've ne- I, I've, I kept, I thought, okay, this, I'm making this up. And I looked over at Cheryl and said, is this as good to you as it is to me? She goes, it is amazing. <laughs> <I'm> going, <laughs> no hormones, all, you know, just, just some dude with a cow, you know, and, and we, we're eating it. It's good. Awesome. That's fantastic. I think that's the way to buy. I mean, it's hard. It to, is. It's hard to budget for, right? Cause it's a stiff, it's a stiff right off the bat. But you know, yeah, but you know, that's going to save me a ton of money because oh. we, we usually just don't have food laying around. So then we go out to eat. Yeah. Oh, right. And we spend 40 bucks. I'm like, man, why are we doing this for? I could have bought a quarter cow. Exactly. <laughs> Do that 10 times. Uh, secular continues. Some men enjoy it so, so much it's hard to pull them away. Boy, especially from a barbecue grill. Cross your fingers, speak up and hope Ronnie is one of them. Yeah, boy, you've really just picked the only solution that would work out fantastically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. Dear Life from the Path, I've been married to my husband for 16 years. His brother died suddenly, and he was devastated. We dropped everything and drove a 1,000 miles to attend the funeral. When we arrived and went to be seated, he asked me to sit four rows back because the front row was for immediate family only. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. I think that happens. It does. I felt I was a media family, but didn't want to cause a scene, so uh, so I did as he asked. When I sat down, I received odd looks and sad looks. I'm not angry, but my feelings are hurt. Am I wrong? I mean, I don't know. How big is this place? I mean, if it's like a super small funeral home, like in the backwoods of somebody's small town, yeah. I mean, maybe you got to move to the back. I don't know. I mean, are we really doling out honor and shame at the funeral seating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... So I, th- there are things at funerals, right? Like if you're if you're actively participating, people that are going to carry the thing, maybe are in the front or got to get up and yeah. speak or something. Yeah, but yeah. like if that's not the deal, I can't imagine I would agree to be have my wife and family not sit with me at the funeral. It, it's odd. here's the deal: people do weird things when they grieve, things that don't make sense, things they look back at and go, "Why did I do that?" Oh yeah, you know, and that could be part of it. Uh, it could be part of the tradition tradition of that particular region. Uh, how they do family could be that family's <laughs> tradition. How long they've been married? I've been married 16. to my husband sixteen years. Yeah, so so like this sniffs like like either what Dan's saying like a like a, a grief move or your brain's it's you're just not engaging with the world yeah. in a correct way. It's my brother, you know, yeah. or it feels like a like, it feels like a like a like a newlywed problem. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because like after after sixteen years of marriage, I mean, man, me and my wife are about that close. If I was to sit up front and my wife had to sit a couple rows back, we would never even discuss it. It would just be like, hey. That's fine. I know you love me. <laughs> There's other stuff going on right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not about us. This funeral is not about us and our marriage. It's about my brother and, and, and me, you know, mourning this loss or whatever. And I feel like she'd have a lot of grace for that. And so, I don't know. It feels like a, like a, a newlywed wife thing to be spurned by it. 
I, I can think of almost everybody. Uh, no, okay, I'm saying this totally wrong. Almost all evangelical. <laughs> oh, they're all covering it up. It's not dead. No, I can think of multiple times I have done things that later on I thought that was the dumbest thing. You know, like why? Did, I mean, like, I, and it was so important for me at the time. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Uh, uh, I, I had my mom in an open casket because nobody does that anymore, and she would want that. Nobody wanted it. <laughs> my kids have nightmares to this day. <laughs> well, not really, but they're like, why did you do that? That's I don't right. know. I just, I don't know. I, I just insisted. I felt very strongly about it. I did. Time. I did. I said, we were in the place. I'm going, here's the deal. I want it to be open casket. They're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> my brother just looked at me like, really? That's the one thing you're standing on? Yep. That's yeah, what I want. That's me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I had a staff member passed away. Uh, we're in the hospital. Another staff member's there. I look over him. I mean, the, the dude's body's not room temperature yet. I'm like, you know, he never liked you. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was true. <laughs> but I'm like, why would I tell him that? Well, awesome. It was almost like I, I now I feel free to tell you this now. That's like, right. How about I, you not say that? You know, not, <laughs> how about you just shut up? Because he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he wanted you fired a long time ago, yeah. well, and I fought for you. <laughs> he just really does not like you at all. <laughs> Like you idiot! Yeah. This is how I grieve. <laughs> I hurt people. Holy <laughs> Stay away from Dan. I know. I grieve <laughs> like a jerk. <laughs> and I didn't even mean it like a jerk. I was just like, I just feel like I should be honest at this point. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're getting everything yeah. out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh. And I hate that haircut. It's stupid. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> throw those glasses away. Yeah. <laughs> those those pants are too tight. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, it's just grief. Grief does weird things. Yeah. I think I'm gonna side with Dan on this. It might just be a weird grief thing. I mean, you're just not taking in the world right at the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's see what secular says. Secular says. If the spouses of your husband's other siblings and children, if there were any, were also asked to sit elsewhere, then you should not feel hurt. However, if you were the only one told to sit in Siberia, your feelings are justified. Yeah, okay. I mean, I suppose. It's honest. But, I, mean, uh, I mean, but the question is, do you really need to invest in it? Like, let's say all yeah. that's true. Like, is it worth Is it worth your time? Right. You just right. let it go. <laughs> let her go. All right, want to do one more? Yep, last one. Okay, let's see. I got more stories. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> I got a quarter cow and death insult. Uh, <laughs> got a trifecta here. What's next? Let's okay, I'm, I'm going to let you pick one. Uh, the The two options are a bride's second wedding sh- wedding bride's second wedding plans complicate shower etiquette, hmm. or dad dating younger woman is hard to be around. Dad dating your woman. Yeah, that just sounds intriguing. Here we go. <laughs> I have no stories of that. Dear Live from the Path, my name is Dan. <laughs> Dear Live from the Path, I have never had a good relationship with my father. He was extremely abusive and controlling when I was growing up. Regardless, I have tried to maintain a relationship with him, albeit a superficial one now that I'm an adult. For the past few years, Dad has been seeing a woman my age. I have tried to my best to maintain a relationship with her as well. Problem is, they are extremely touchy-feely when they're together, oh and it makes me very uncomfortable. No doubt. For example, they're always rubbing each other, hanging on each other, or she sits on his lap when we're out for drinks. I tried to talk to my father about it, and he became extremely angry when I asked if they could keep it to a minimum around me. Moreover, they recently let it slip that they started dating before she was 18. Ooh. I don't feel comfortable with their relationship at all. Am I wrong to feel this way? No. No, not at all. Next. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the way. Justified. Just solve this problem just right now. Go on. Yeah. The guy's the guy's demented. I'm glad that you didn't ask, what should I do now? Because, you know, I don't know. But are you wrong to feel this way? No. no, no. <laughs> we can answer that one. Well, I mean, he became, hey, can you keep your PDA to a minimum? And he was outraged? Yeah. 
That's unreasonable in any circumstance. <laughs> There's I mean, no reason to be outraged. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same old story of everything in in human behavior, right? Like pride is just a beast, right? If you can't take that message from your daughter, well, that like she, even if if you feel like she is overly sensitive or she has no right to feel uncomfortable, if your daughter comes up to you and says, "Look, Dad, this thing that you're doing makes me uncomfortable," you go, "Okay, I'm glad you told me. I'm going to try to address it. I'm going to figure something out, right? I, you know." Sorry, <laughs> you know I didn't. I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Like any dad would take it in that way, except for this dude. He's not gonna take it in that way. But yeah. like pride does this all the time. They can't. No one can take a critique and go. You know, maybe I should humble myself and go. Man, I am causing trouble, or I am doing the wrong thing, or I could see from your perspective how oh, this is really weird. But no, this dude he shovels right ahead. Like you got the problem. Yeah, that's, now, now he, he was abusive. He was abusive. I'm guessing he's still abusive. Yeah, and now he has so. a girl he's controlling. Yeah. He, you should work hard to get her out of that relationship. You yeah. Or, uh, I mean, stop going out with Greeks with him. Yeah. I mean, that's weird. It's time to move on. Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Hey, Sasha, you want to hit up drinks? No. No, Dad. no you're abusive. <laughs> and you do too much PDA and you don't seem to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest about this thing. <laughs> now that's true. Sometimes we try to soft shoe around things that should be pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're plotting and planning on how to play the situation. The situation is fairly easy. Dad, I need you to knock that off. Your outrage at the matter means I ain't going out to drinks with you because there's nothing binds me. Uh, we do not have a close relationship. At the board, you're abusive to me when I was younger, and uh, this relationship is weird, and so I refuse to go out with you. Yeah, that's true. What are you getting from this phoned-in relationship with your old man anyway? You know, like, I get it. You know, they're part of your family. You feel like you got to keep something up. But, I mean, after a while, choices are choices. He's making his. He doesn't love you. No. Like, I, I don't. No. Yeah. This doesn't This doesn't have to keep. Yeah, keep, you keep. know what? Tell him, tell him how you feel and be like, here's the thing, and blah, 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 blah. And if he ain't willing to move and say, like, look, these are your choices. But, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to be subject to it. So, out I go. Yeah. Yep. Secular says, uh, the question was, am I wrong to feel this way? Secular says, I don't think so. Your feelings are your feelings, and you are entitled to them. But because but because being around your father and this young lady makes you uncomfortable, consider seeing him one-on-one apart from her, if he can manage to separate from her for a half hour or an hour. Yeah, I don't think that's the point. Yeah. The point is, I, I don't even think him and the and the lady are the point. The point is the man, he, he acts poorly, right? And, and she's like, I don't like the way that you act. Uh, PDAs are obviously for, especially in a dad and an extremely younger woman, are there for everyone else's benefit. And it's just, yeah, I, maybe you should, man, I don't want to say cut ties with your old man, but like, I don't know. I don't know that you have to give that relationship more weight than it actually can hold. It can't hold more weight than that. He's not in. Yep. All right. You've been listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us uh, on this uh, lovely Monday evening. Uh, next week, hopefully, maybe we can connect with uh, Vanessa and, and talk about her uh, about her movie. In the meantime, let's hope that uh, Mr. Loftus publishes Article 2 and we'll catch up with that. Um, but that's our plan. We'll be seeing you next uh, weekend. Next week? Yeah. Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, in the meantime, be faithful means God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.